The Incomparable, number 276, December 2015. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. We, as we record this, we are a week away from the release of Star Wars The Force Awakens. And this is going to be a little change of pace this episode, a little, little break. We did a couple of holiday episodes. And, of course, I imagine that in the next couple of weeks, our, our episodes are going to be devoted to The Force Awakens. But I wanted to take that, this moment in between to talk about the anticipation and our expectations a little bit and what our plans are and, and uh, just, uh, just set the stage a little bit for the Star Wars revival that is to come. So uh, let me introduce the three people who I would, uh, I, I would expect and you would expect to be here when we're ever we're talking about Star Wars. The people who have been on, I believe, essentially all our Star Wars episodes. Uh, first, uh, coming to her, coming to hear from her sickbed, just, just <laughs> revived temporarily before retreating there. And, and I'm very glad that she could, could make it. Serenity Caldwell. Hi. Hi. I, I just came out of a back to tank to, to come podcast for 45 minutes. And I'm Thank you for go doing the reference that Jason couldn't. That's good. Oh, you got the it. back to tank. Come on. That's, that's, <laughs> it's not that serious where she has to be suspended in liquid while a doctor droid goes. Um, if I could just have some tea, some yeah. like back to back tea, to tea. Oh, that would be awesome. Oh, the back to tea. They just heat up the stuff from the, from the tank. It's not. No, don't drink that. It's like, <laughs> Disney ideas, though, it's like antifreeze. Oh, <laughs> John Syracuse, you heard him. Of course, he's here. Hi. I hope we're not going to talk about that trailer I didn't watch. No, that would be crazy. That would be wrong. <laughs> we can talk okay. about why you didn't watch it, maybe. Yeah. And Dan Morin. Hi. Uh, this deal is getting worse all the time, Jason. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, how, how bad is this deal? I looked it up. We did our Flash podcast about Disney announcing the new Star Wars trilogy three years ago. Wow. It was October 31st, Halloween. 2012. 12. I remember it. It was a Thursday. 12. A warm day. Um, episode 114. This is 276. <laughs> that is how long it's been. It's been a long time I since they announced I have a question, Jason. This. Once we've seen the movie and talked about it, do we just shut down the podcast? Are we done? Is that it? There's probably no more Star Wars after I that. I heard right? they're going to make a new one of these every year. <laughs> no, it's, it's a rumor. It's a rumor. It's going to be like next uh, taking over Apple from the inside. This will slowly become a Star Wars podcast. The Star, the Star Wars uh, minute will never be able to catch up. <laughs> never, ever. They will never be able to do it. Uh, and then in May of 2014, we talked about casting. And then in Thanksgiving of 2014, we got the teaser trailer. And then, of course, this year they released the, the, the final trailer and everybody asked us if, well, final, except for like additional scenes that kept getting added into international versions of the trailers, which is also pretty funny. And, and everybody asked us if we were going to do a trailer analysis episode, which sort of, you know, we did it a couple of times. Why would, why would we not do it again? And the answer was no, uh, because uh, Mr. John Syracuse, has decided to put himself in a bubble as much as possible and not be spoiled any further about what's going on. How's that been going, John? It's been going pretty well, actually. Like, I set up a bunch of filters on Twitter, and my eyeballs are a really good filter. So if I see, like, anything related to Star Wars, whether it be a picture or a word or whatever, I just scroll it off the screen before I can read it. Do you have Um, somebody to vet, like, if your kids come in to talk to you? Is there someone to vet their topics before... Because, you know, they can go off book sometimes. I think I've I've come and found one of the computers in the house showing, like, you that the trailer had been viewed on YouTube. 
you know. So my son has seen the recent trailer, but he doesn't. He he knows enough not to talk to me about it. You you may have Ugnaughts. You should check. It's a nasty infestation. Yeah, but but it works out pretty well. Like the thing that Jason just mentioned that they had been adding scenes for international. I didn't know that. That's how well my filter is working. Yeah, but John, you could wow. guess that that's like oh, the trailer's been released in Japan and it has an extra scene. Yeah, of course it does. Of course it Surprise. does. Surprise. After we watch the movie, I will tell you the few things that, that leak through my filter that I may or may not know. I don't want to even say them now. No, because that might some make them, them could all be BS. John is actually not sure if this movie is longer than the two minutes of footage that we've seen. It's J.J. Abrams is pranking us all. That's what's happening. If we just go in the theater, it's a mystery box. If, if, Sorry, the movie, if the movie is canceled, somebody tell me. Well, no, I think <laughs> I think that there's great... I mean, look, Ren and I spent a... We had a long... Um, uh, iMessage thread on the night that the that the full trailer came out. So long, where we were, uh, we almost just recorded that. Just like let's just do a <laughs> uh, do a little FaceTime chat and record do that a dramatic reading of your IMs. Yeah. Oh, we could, we could. I'll, I'll check the transcript, and we had theories and all that, and it was very exciting. But what I what I like about it is that although I've seen those scenes, I think I think JJ Abrams has done a good job because although with some analysis, you can probably get a better idea of the shape of the film. I really don't know. I, I it, there's enough there and enough that they may have withheld that I really have no idea what this what this film is is about other than the sort of broad strokes that we got essentially from the casting, um, and I I like that I I like feeling even though I've I've seen more of it than you have John I like that that idea that I'm not I I so I did that with Doctor Who this year um, I didn't go to the Gallifrey based spoiler forum I stayed away the whole time and it was kind of delightful in in its way to to not have any spoilers and not know what's coming and just let it let it happen and i i'm the real question is will any of us be able to get other than perhaps john who may be sealed in a, he may just go in his closet um are we going to be able to avoid the last few days when people start to see it in screenings and things and and are we going to try to avoid it dan are you going to try to avoid oh yeah uh, heck yeah i almost didn't watch the last trailer and i eventually broke down and, and did it's because you are weak <laughs> i am it's true i fell <laughs> to the dark side uh i think the the tricky thing um you know part of the reason for not watching this is part of it is just not wanting to be spoiled on the movie itself but there's also sort of that larger meta picture of not the idea that you might go in and see a new Star Wars movie for the first time and have it not suck is kind of, you know, novel for the last 30 odd years. So I, I think, you know, there's also a bit of that hesitancy, like, oh, if I see anything else, I might start doubting whether or not, you know, I might prejudice myself. Um, so I, I'm going to try my darndest to to not find out anything. And, and already I've sh I'm sure I've seen more than I would like to, though nothing like you, Jason. I don't think there's anything that would like particularly compromise it. It's just that every additional little seed gets you thinking. Yeah. Um, and that's the for me, that's always the danger is, you know, being someone who watches a lot of movies, reads a lot of books and sort of writes books, works, you know, looks at narrative structures, things like that. Uh, I start feeling like, oh, man, can I put these puzzle pieces together? Yeah. Go away, brain. Go away, brain. <laughs> Go do something else. You could take the settings in the trailer, right? And you could right. try to make an order out of them. Yep. And that's that moment where you're like, I kind of don't want to do that. Exactly. Yeah, you want to leave that alone. You don't You don't want to explore into that dark crevasse. I mean, I think the uh, the majority, the vast majority of the trailer scenes, I think, are more character building than they are necessarily story building, which I really appreciate. 
because I don't really have an idea of how the arc of the movie is going to go. I know that there's, you know, planet A and planet B because they look different. And God forbid Star Wars has a planet that looks the same or that doesn't look the same the Mm. entire planet over. Like it has different seasons. Uh, So I know there are probably multiple planets in the movie. But ultimately, I think what they've done with the what they've done with the trailers very much is showcased the characters that are going to be involved in this and really humanize the characters. And I think above all else, like I could piece together, I could try and piece together stories and I could put my own hopes and dreams for certain characters um, Mm -hmm. on my, uh, in, in my, my brain. But I think the, the biggest sort of success that in, in my opinion that JJ has had with the, uh, with the trailers has been like, Hey, remember those, those three movies that sort of looked like star Wars, but there was no characterization at all. And the characters were essentially cardboard cutouts. We're going to give you like seven or eight trailers, including the international spots and the, and the, uh, television trailers that, uh, that show, Hey, this movie is essentially nothing but characters Mm -hmm. and they're good characters and they have, depth and personality and wise cracks entertainment weekly did a story that had had something in it that i thought was interesting which i I think is the corporate explanation of what they're doing which is i think it was jj abrams said um when we thought about what we wanted to do that we want what we wanted to do is go back to the original trilogy and recapture how people felt about that and i thought that was the kindest way possible to say forget about the <laughs> the the prequels son <laughs> forget about them we, we we're not going to deny that they exist but our goal is to not do them but that's basically what they were saying and i think that i think that the a lot of the ancillary material is like hey remember the things you all liked about star wars that's what this movie is it's the things you liked about it right the one star Star Wars thing I've been doing lately is uh, mostly watching my son play uh, Star Wars Battlefront, which is the rare in modern day Star Wars game that absolutely pretends the prequels do not exist. I mean, basically, after the prequels, every game with a Star Wars property had to at least, uh, if Tip not the outright prequel based game, had to like include characters or ships or settings or, you know, or just some acknowledgement that those movies exist and had defined things in the Star Wars universe. Um, before the prequels, obviously all the games were original trilogy games. And as soon as the prequels came out, it was pod racer, this and moving droid armies around that. Yep. Uh, and then star Wars battlefront here is this modern console game, uh, that just looks and feels and sounds like the original trilogy, 100%. And as far as I'm aware, there's absolutely nothing in this game that acknowledges those movies exist. Well, you know, Jason, the interesting thing you point out, you know, JJ Abrams talked about this, maybe sort of the corporate line, but I think what we are, you know, realizing from this is that this is possibly the well, certainly the first time in 30 years but maybe the first time ever that a star wars movie has been made by a star wars fan mm-hmm. uh, because i think we can all agree in light of his recent comments george lucas isn't really a star wars fan right i mean Definitely he created not. it and that's fine but he's not not a fan in the way that the people who consumed that were a fan and so that's an entirely different perspective because that is the perspective that the most of the rest of us are coming up you know coming in with so i i think you know J.J. Abrams, I'm sure, f- probably felt the way many of us did when the prequels came out and is probably just as sort of hell-bent on not replicating that experience. So, you know, he's he's sort of in our corner, I guess you could say. I think that's true. I think when you look at what what Lucas has been... <laughs> he- <laughs> 
He's been in the, he I I feel like he's got his billions of dollars and he should probably just shut up and not talk about Star Wars anymore. But yet every now and then he in the last month he said these things he really that has just yeah <laughs> that that just just continue with the very it's very clear that George Lucas does not think Star Wars is what everybody who loves it thinks it is, which explains a lot about the prequels. And and I think the clincher is when asked now that he's seen uh, Force Awakens, which he hadn't seen until the last week, when, when asked about it, he said, I think the fans are going to love it. It's very much the kind of movie they've been looking for. And I, I love that quote because it puts him at opposition with the fans, which is exactly the right place for him to be. Um, and, and you're right. J.J. Abrams is a Star Wars fan. And the people, really, the people making this movie are Star Wars fans. And... And we've seen with some other um, some other stuff like the like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, uh, whose writers were were Star Trek, Star Trek fans with Doctor Who re- relaunch. Who- that, that's what I was going to bring up. The dangers of this. Don't you think like the Doctor Who the the relaunch of Doctor Who with uh, Russell T. Davies as a big Who fan doing Doctor Who? It had good aspects of it, but I think it, there was also it also had bad aspects where, like, it, not going to say it's like fan fiction, but where well, it, it's, it's <laughs> there's too an much. episode where the Daleks and the Cybermen have a like a rap battle that yeah. was pretty much fan <laughs> fiction. Yeah, like like you can, you can be in too deep, and like here here I am in my little bubble of trying to not know things, and I've actually what I found is it's kind of leading me speaking of the dark side toward towards like a, i'm like going to that cave on uh dagobah like uh, <laughs> i keep thinking only what you bring with you Jay. i'm having trouble holding on to the possibility that i could like this movie more than i liked any of the recent star trek movies not star <laughs> wars like i'm not even like oh you just, i'm saying am i even gonna like this movie as much as i liked the, and i'm not even a big star trek fan and i didn't like you know i thought those movies were fun and like like is that, is that the best i can hope for this that i'm gonna go to a star wars movie and best case scenario i come out going Oh, that was a fun movie, which is exactly what I thought after the J.J. Abrams, uh, the two Star Trek movies. They were a fun movie. Every time I see them again on TV, I'm like, these are fun. These are nice. Um, but then I say, is that is that all I can expect out of a Star Wars movie? So I don't know. I'm a little bit fearful of a Star Wars movie made by a fan. And I'm trying to think back to, like, the other aspect is, like, is there any piece of media that is going to feel the way Star Wars did? Obviously not, because we saw these movies when we were younger and they were formative and so on and so forth. But what is the most profound media experience that I've had in the past several years as an adult? Uh, and I had trouble thinking of what those might be. I mean, in most recent memory, I could say, like, the best thing I've seen in moving pictures, like, this past year is probably something like Mr. Robot, which really surprised me and I found mm-hmm. really intriguing and interesting. But it's also very weird, not like Star Wars at all, so... Like what? What are, what are your answers to that? Like, what have you seen, whether a movie or a TV, in your adult life that has come close to being as important to you as you know things that you've seen in your formative years? Fury Road was pretty impressive to me. It's still sticking with me, which is impressive given that it's been almost a year. I would agree with Mr. Robot, um, but that was the one that sort of came to me off the top of my head. Movies, movies you went into expecting, or media you went into expecting something completely different than what you actually came out with. Yeah, I have a hard time thinking of movies that are sort of in that same vein. I mean, I can think of like you. I can think of movies that I went into and came out thinking, "Hey, that was a really fun movie." And I can think of movies that I went in, went into and came out thinking, "Hey, that was a really good movie." And you know, the latter case would be something like I saw um, Spotlight recently, which is about the Boston Globe uncovering the uh, the Catholic Church scandal here in Boston. 
great movie, not exactly kind of in the Star Wars vein. Um, I actually think this thing that's closest in my mind is reading the Expanse books. Mm. Um, I actually, I really love those books. I mean, for books that are, you know, 500, 600 pages, I just devoured those. And they, to me, they, they read as very cinematic. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that being translated to the screen. But again, that's, that feels a little too close in some ways because it's like, it's almost like riding on Star Wars' coattails to a certain extent, you know, space adventure. Um, and, and I don't know. I think you're right, John. The, the, the problem being that not only is this, were these formative and things that we saw, uh, you know, as, a, as, young, as young people, but also they were, you know, kind of revolutionary in their own way, right? Like in the context of the cinema that was going on there. So it's, it's, a, lot of, it's a lot of boxes to check to, to find something that appeals to you at that age that also causes such a big seismic shift uh, in the way that things are done. I think actually the closest thing is sort of a media experience. In some ways, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the fact that they've created this huge, like just like huge Hydra-like tentacled property that, that crosses all these different genres and different types of media is just utterly unlike anything that I have seen before uh, in any way as star star wars certainly gets the closest in that way but even it was fairly limited um, compared to the mcu which seems to have all these different properties everywhere on tv uh you know in movies um netflix directed tv series some comic books all of that it's just it's a it's enormous undertaking and i don't think it would have been possible without star wars's success but that's sort of the closest i can think of as something that is just um kind of taken on a life of its own criticize one movie to take their place the mcu is definitely a feat um that definitely i think rides off of the previous and prior success of star wars um i don't know it's an it's it's an interesting question to think about i think fury road was a good example because fury road is not new like oh fury road to do something no movie had ever done before because there have been mad max movies before and i think Nothing in Fury Road was particularly groundbreaking in terms of the no. genre. It was just done really well and distilled down to its essence. And the reason it stood out so much is because modern movies feel like they have to have all these particular elements and sort of a feeling and a pacing. And Fury Road was like, cut out all of that, distill it down to this very concentrated form of a particular thing that had existed in the past. And we're all kind of like had our hair blown back in the theater because we're like, oh, yeah, that I remember that. And this is a really good example of that. And I haven't seen a movie like this in a long time. And it, you know, and it, it, that that's why it stood out to me. Like, I think that probably Fury Road did, was maybe the most affecting theater experience I've had in a while. Um, but because it was so pure and, you know, uh, so primal, it doesn't quite fall into the same category as me as a movie that just like really stick with sticks with me and goes like, I, I you know, I'm going to watch that movie for years and years and I'm going to keep it in my collection. And I'm going to treasure it. Fury Road doesn't feel like that to me. No, it doesn't stick in your mind the same way. Um, but it does. It's funny to me because Fury Road kind of feels like the Orson Welles of sci-fi movies where it's just it's it's such a great it's impeccably built science fiction film. Um, and it just it hits all of the buttons, but it doesn't. You know, I'm I'm picturing. You know, the thing that that Star Wars really did for me as a kid is it gave me something to identify with and something to to strive towards in a strange way. And it's like, I would you know, I built God knows how many cardboard spaceships from age seven to age fifteen, um, and I can't imagine building cardboard 
war rigs yeah. <laughs> to the to the same extent. Yeah, I mean, I think about it, and I'm like, if if we're talking about films in particular that affect me, this like I I would categorize some certain Pixar films in that category. I know you know yeah. Wally is not the most not the not the best Pixar film, but definitely is very affecting and is something that I go back to a lot. And that I feel like I saw when I was old enough to both appreciate it as a as a film as well as you know it's a, I wouldn't consider that a formative because it came out past college. I don't know. It's, I think now bringing up animation that reminds me if I had to pick a movie that I've saw, seen in my adult life, not seen in my adolescence or formative years, that has really stuck with me to the degree that Star Wars have, I would have to go through the Miyazakis and say yeah. a lot yeah, of those. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. I think about those a lot. They've really stuck with me. I do watch them over and over again. I do treasure them in the same way that I treasure Star Wars. So what I'm getting at is like, is it even possible? Because a lot of the, the criticism is like, there is no movie that you can ever see that is going to be as important to you as Star Wars was to people who are, you know, mostly mine, Jason ages, but you guys too. Um, or there's no music you're ever going to hear that's that's going to affect you as much as the music in your adolescence and i just don't think that's true because a lot of miyazaki wasn't even made until i was completely an adult and is really important to me and really you know knocked my socks off and i keep going back to it so i believe it is possible what i'm trying to come become okay with not watching any of the stuff related to star wars is am i going to be okay if this star wars movie comes out and it's not like miyazaki is to me but it's merely a good movie in the same way, like for me, that I enjoyed the new Star Trek movies or that, you know, that you might enjoy a good, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Are we okay with that if it comes out and it does that? Like, obviously, it'd be like, oh, it's better than the prequels. Yeah, well, it's still better than the prequels, right? Like, I mean, we had the extremes, I guess, is the way you could put it. It's like we've we've seen what happens when everything's firing in all cylinders and working and is just sort of, a, you know, genius level stuff. And we've seen the other end where it's just garbage. Uh, and so ch- chances are it probably will be somewhere in between, right? And yeah, are we okay with that? Well, I think I'm okay with that. I mean, there have been enough Star Wars properties that I've, uh, certainly enough Star Wars properties that I've read that were terrible. And I read it because, hey, more Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, you know, Chewbacca dying. I can, I'm glad that's not canon anymore because, you know, I could have, I could have easily erased that from my memory. But, um, you know, I mean, I stuck with the Clone Wars, despite the fact that some of the early episodes were rough going, and you get a lot of really, you know, you, you, you get rewarded for that. There are some great moments in Clone Wars. In um, um, Star Wars Rebels is a fantastic show, and I don't think I would have given that a chance originally had I not seen Clone Wars. Um, right. And I kind of feel like if it's if it's anything even remotely in that vein, where it's like, yeah, if I'm having fun and it gives me glimmers of the of the feeling like if it, if it puts a smile on my face and it it doesn't necessarily i don't think it necessarily has to be brand new nostalgia like instant nostalgia it, it, it doesn't have to be a groundbreaking film um and it doesn't have to at least for me be you know the end-all be-all of star wars movies if i saw a star wars movie that was better than empire i think i would have to question my entire life <laughs> uh so I, I feel like I'm okay with it. You know, I'm okay with it just settling into the Pantheon as this is a really good piece of Star Wars lore that once you've re- re- watched the original trilogy, this is what you should see next. Because this, you know, carries on the story and really interesting things happen. Um, I would be okay with that. And as a side note, it looks like we're going to get a female protagonist, you know, just guessing here, hypothetically, but it looks like we're going to get a female protagonist in Star Wars, which is pretty darn exciting regardless and I'm de- like, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. 
Let me take a break to tell you about our sponsor. It's Howl.fm. That's right. Howl is a new app and website that changes the way you think about podcasts. It's a lot like Netflix, except for podcasts. When you subscribe to Howl Premium, you get exclusive access to dozens of original miniseries, audio documentaries, and comedy albums, plus all the archives from WTF with Mark Marin and all the Earworld shows like Comedy Bang Bang and How Did This Get Made? The Howl original miniseries are truly unique. The Canon Commentaries features film critics and hosts of the Canon podcast, Amy Nicholson and Devin Faraci. They provide their own commentary tracks for movies the listeners have voted into the Canon. Episode one might be the most contentious commentary track ever. Amy and Devin take on Goodfellas. That's totally in the canon, by the way. Uh, and then there's Super Ego Forgotten Classics. This is a comedy podcast where the people from Super Ego, which is another podcast, uh, improvise a famous work of fiction. Okay. Improvising a work of fiction. It's an interesting idea. Wait for it. They're not familiar with that work of fiction at all. They get the title, the first and last lines, and the names of the characters, and the rest is up to them. So the first episode of that, it's The Red Badge of Courage, a book that I hate, and it's ridiculous, and that's all the better, I think, that the Super Ego Forgotten Classics version is ridiculous. Um, it can't be worse than the original. Sorry to Stephen Crane fans out there. So anyway, Howl.fm has so much, the originals and the archive material, like Netflix for podcasts. You can get access to all of this exclusive content. It'll work on your phone, whether it's an iPhone or an Android device, it'll work on the web, and it costs $4.99 a month. And if you use the promo code SNELL, you'll get a full month of a free trial to Howl.fm. To redeem the promo code, create your account on the web at Howl.fm. That's H-O-W-L.fm and enter code SNELL at checkout. That's H-O-W-L dot F-M. Use promo code SNELL. Thank you to Howl.fm for sponsoring The Incomparable. I think one of the questions that we have to ask is, what is Disney doing here? Because, you know, Disney bought Lucasfilm for billions of dollars, several billion dollars. And, you know, they're not buying this for a nostalgia trip, right? They're buying this to be one of these eternal franchise properties that appeals to young and old alike, right? And the idea is... Well, so that's not what Star Wars has been, right? When Star Wars came out, it's not just that we were young or not born yet, but um, that they were singular. Those first movies were all of Star Wars. And yeah, there were some ancillary stuff, but it was early. And now for Star Wars to be what, you know, to make back Disney's investment, it needs to be franchise. It needs to be a movie series with a new movie every year and be, you know, what a modern and TV spinoffs and all these things that that Star Wars needs to be. So it's never going to be the same. But I, I do think that Disney wants Star Wars to be for everybody. And and so even if we don't even if what we get is different from seeing the original movies and it's more like, uh, you know, a, a, a little bit uh, it, just us being happy that we're playing in that world and people are riffing off of the things that we know by heart from those other movies, like watching a band that we loved from 20 years ago um, or for some of us on this conversation 10 years ago, uh, you know, a long time when, when we were kids. Um, and that that will be good for us, but I think that's not good enough for Disney. And I think that's the other part of what's being crafted here is they want this to be something that uh, a teenager would really like and that a 10-year-old would, would really like and buy the toys for and all of those things and become a lifelong Star Wars fan too. And that's a, that's a lot to ask, and I, it may be unreasonable. Uh, and the net result may be that it is something like, like, like John said about Marvel movies or, or Star Trek movies where you come out of the theater as a jaded adult and are like, yeah, that was a, a fine piece 
of, of entertainment, um, but not not life changing for us. But I, I would say that Disney would succeed and 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 Lucasfilm would would succeed if we came out liking it, feeling better about the franchise as a whole, uh, getting you know that warm glow of things that we recognized and loved being played back for us a little bit in new ways. And that, you know, the other part of this gets fulfilled, which is that, um, you know, the kids want to buy the toys and, and play and, and know more about Star Wars. Well, and, and part of the other sort of ingredient there is that tastes have changed as well, right? I mean, because of what Star Wars did and because of all the other media that we've experienced over the last, you know, 10 or 20 years, 30 years, etc., we all have different expectations for movies now. So, you know, in some ways, putting up the Star Trek movies and the Marvel movies is a good barometer because it is kind of, you know, those are attempts to sort of distill that, like, this is the experience we want to sell to everybody into, like, a concrete little package that's, like, it's got everything. It's got action. It's got adventure. It's got outer space, uh, you know, and, and it appeals to everybody. And so the formula and, and you know, ingredients of movie making have changed in some ways uh, compared to you know, back in 1977, where uh, nobody was making things in quite that quite that packaged a form at that point. Um, and so movie making has been honed to this really perfect engine of commercialism. Um, and so I think, you know, in some ways, does that mean that everything sort of levels out as we go because our expectations lower and the movies, you know, maybe get a little bit better, but everything sort of tends towards that middle ground? I, I don't know. But I do. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe some you know kid, some seven year old is going to walk out of this movie and you know not having seen any other Star Wars movies, and their eyes are going to be open, and and this is going to have the effect on them that it had on us back then. But yeah, it's it's hard to tell because you can't sort of you can't run the experiment again, right? No. The franchise that actually reminds me the most of sort of this this reinvention is a little bit Doctor Who. Um, you think about. You know, I I ended up watching old Doctor Who, but not until long after I had discovered the new episodes. Um, and I became a fan solely from the new episodes mm -hmm. and then and that new world building. And since then, I've gone back and I've been like, oh, this is why people loved it so much, you know, in the past. And then also been able to enjoy the newer stuff and the new doctors and and empathized with all of that. And I I feel like there is a, a great potential for if if Disney does this right. And all indications seem to to point towards, yes, they are in fact doing this right. Um, and there is, you know, potential here. Um, we could be looking at that. And I mean, honestly, and I hate to say this, but like, I know kids who are obsessed with Star Wars because it sounds horrible to say, but like their first their first um, exposure to it was the prequels, which seems like a horrible thing to do to a child. Um, but the ch but children really don't realize what's good or not. Like when you're really little, kids have bad taste, right, John? Yeah, kids uh, <laughs> kids can have bad taste. Um, but no, I mean, like you you'll see, like I. <laughs> Um, one of, uh, my, my fiance's, uh, cousin or, um, ne nephew is, um, is completely obsessed with Star Wars and all is he, all he's seen is the prequels. Um, but he, he loves the idea. He's like, I, you know, I want to pilot a fighter and I can't wait for the force awakens. And I think that Jedi are so cool. Like he didn't get the, you know, the small picture details that we focused on as adults being like, oh my God, this is awful. Um, he focused on the big picture stuff, the stuff that makes Star Wars star wars right. um and i'm praying that you know force awakens is, is 
heads and shoulders a better than uh, than the prequels, but still, it gives you know it, it gives me hope that no matter what, a generation of children will come away being like Star Wars is part of our life force. Star Wars is part of our blood. We'll pick it up, you know, from a from a new generation, so to speak. Well, you're right about. I mean, we can. John John mentioned that there is definitely an aspect of the of the fan fiction thing and in, in what the the Doctor Who reboot did, but at the same time, it was fans who understood why they were fans and when they when they perhaps even though they were also world class TV writers, when they would slip and put in things that were basically fan service, you know, uh, no, giving fans what fans want is not always the worst thing in the world, especially if you're trying to revive a fandom that has been on hard times, and Doctor Who fandom certainly was. And when I look at the, when I go to that Doctor Who convention in LA every year, good lord, it is young now in a way that it was not even five years ago. And, um, and that that is a success. That is a rebooted fandom where it's not just the diehards who remember it from the 80s. It is brand new people who love it because of 2005 through 2015. And that is uh, that that's something that Star Wars strives for. And, um, you know, aside from the marketing blitz, which is there and the TV shows, which are there in the end, you know, if if they do their job right, then. Um, th- this movie will capture the imagination of kids in a similar way, at least, than it captured our imaginations as kids, I would think. Yeah, getting back to what Dan said about uh, sort of modern movie-making sensibilities, and definitely I see that in the Star Trek. Like, well, there have been Star Trek movies, but here are Star Trek movies with a new twist, and they were made yeah. more like modern movies, right? Um, and uh, I think of Star Wars, the, the same reason I'm thinking of it. Like, well, if they just make a movie in the Star Wars universe in the style of modern movie making and it's a good movie and it's a good story and it's fun to watch and it is respectful of the 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 setting it's and a lot the, of ands john the characters <laughs> and all that stuff no but like you come at it and think it's fun but i think it's still possible especially now where john williams is still alive the all the all the original actors are still alive um jj did this one himself um i think it's still possible to do kind of what miyazaki has done because over so many years, you know, if you look at Miyazaki's early movies, then you look at like uh, Spirited Away versus like Castle in the Sky. Those movies are separated by many years. They have nothing to do with each other, really. Uh, they're, just, they're made by the same studio. One of them does look older than the other one. But throughout all of the Studio Ghibli movies, all of Miyazaki's movies, there is something. There is that, some, that, that intangible quality of the movie that makes you think, this is a Miyazaki movie that is just as magical now as it was then. Um, and I think there is an equivalent of that for Star Wars. There is there is a certain Star Wars magic that's a combination of, you know, sort of adventure, good-natured optimism, um, excitement, uh, maybe a little bit of novelty, but, like, I don't even think you need, like, oh, these amazing special effects. Like, Miyazaki again and again made a movie that you're like there there's just something magical about this movie and even though it has no relation to those other movies and those other movies could not exist at all and i would watch this one in isolation and say there's something about this movie i feel like there's something about star wars the prequels didn't have it at all and i think it's possible to recapture that and have the movie be raised above the level of oh that was just a fun movie set in the star wars universe because i give like I think I'll feel better about this movie when more of them come out, which is a weird thing to say. But like when they do the movie where they're where whatever the one they were doing that's like off of the trilogy, not like this movie yeah, in the next the anthology two. films, yeah, Rogue right, one. where they're whatever they're doing, they get in the, the Death Star plans or whatever other stories yeah. they want to tell in the universe. Those movies, 
they'll do their thing and I think I'll be more comfortable with those. But there is a certain weight of expectation on, oh, this is a new trilogy. There's going to be, you know, seven, eight and nine and seven, eight and nine follow four, five and six. There's a lot of pressure there. And I feel like these movies, I will feel better about seven probably after eight comes out or maybe after nine comes out. You know what I mean? Because then I'll be like, all right, it's not all hanging on this one thing. But I just really hope like if you're going to recapture that Star Wars magic, it's not because the original people are doing it in the same way that you have. Miyazaki had that magic because he was doing all the movies and he got better with age. Uh, And, and, you know, he'd put himself into those movies and you could see he was still there. I I just want I just want a little bit of that magic in this mm. movie before before it becomes impossible to get that magic and the movies have to become modern movies. Like, I I don't think this has to be a modern movie. I think this can this can re- recapture the magic kind of in the same way that you could say like Last Crusade, even though it's a pale shadow of Raiders. Last Crusade captured some of that indie magic because a lot of the same people were involved, and you could see yeah a couple moments in that movie you're like oh this is this is indie this is Indiana Jones this is this is the guy I know from Raiders. I just I just want that in this movie. I think that's possible, honestly. I really do. And, and going back to Clone Wars, I mean, I th- I think there are there are moments of that of that Star Wars magic in Clone Wars. And there are moments in um in Rebels that are that rem- that make me reminisce of Star Wars even without the original people and in a completely different medium. Um I one of the biggest sort of most telling factors in sort of this pre-anticipation phase is I've been going in mostly spoiler-free. I've watched the trailers, but I haven't really been seeking out spoilers or wanting to confirm any potential theories I have. Um, but I'll watch semi like mostly spoiler free conversations with, with, um, with Harrison Ford and with Carrie Fisher. There are, there are a couple interviews that they've done that are pretty much entirely spoiler free. Um, and all they, all they're doing the entire interview is grinning and being like, it's really good. It's really fun. And that's not the, not like I've seen, I've seen Harrison have to drunk, like Harrison Ford have to drunk sell a movie. Where it's just like, yes, it's really good, and you don't see his eyes light up. It's just the the smile, like the fake, the fake sad smile that actors have to do when they're not passionately involved in a project. Um, but watching, I think Harrison Ford in a dog suit on Jimmy Fallon a while, a couple, a couple, of, a month or two back, um, and Carrie Fisher last week with her dog on, I think, Good Morning America, and both of them seem to have such exuberant joy for the film. In a way that I, I feel like you don't see actors with this kind of uh, passion for projects that they don't actually think are something special, and and to have the original actors and especially Harrison Ford, who is notoriously grumpy, like he's the man's in his early seventies. He doesn't have to. He doesn't really have to shill for movies he doesn't like anymore. Um, to see both of them so excited about the release of this film and so excited about the screenings that they've seen that that fills me with. That fills me with so much new hope. <laughs> oh, um, John, I would say there are some interesting opportunities here to recapture the magic in different ways. I'm thinking of, again, to, I'm going to bring up a Doctor Who thing. The the season finale of Doctor Who features, uh, I'll say, a set that is a recreation of a an original, more or less, Doctor Who set from the 60s. And... Uh, or I'm reminded of uh, like when Star Trek The Next Generation did that episode uh, that where Scotty used a holodeck to make the original Enterprise bridge. Like the Rogue One movie next year, which is about the stealing of the Death Star plans that leads into into episode four, into the original Star Wars film. That's going to be interesting because art direction wise, it can actually... They have to mesh it. It, 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 it will feel like uh, and look like 
the original Star Wars in a way that this film doesn't need to. Um, and that's, that's, that's an interesting opportunity to tell a different kind of story too. I mean, that, that's a, a bit of artistic freedom that having these films that are not part of the main saga can, can provide. So I'm actually kind of, uh, interested in that. I'm also interested in that what they're not doing, at least at this point, is making the whole film series an interconnected story like the Marvel stories and realizing that the Star Wars's advantage here is that they've got this, um, this long set of years to play with and tell stories in with the first, you know, with, with episodes one through seven now. Um, and, uh, and that they're, they're going to be able to hop all, all, all around and tell stories from within this rich universe. I think that's exciting. The idea of seeing other kinds of star Wars movies and other kinds of star Wars content. And, and you may get some of that, uh, kind of old vibe feel from rogue one. I, I think. feel like there's much less pressure with those stories, though. Like, yeah. Like, do whatever you want. Like, make make a noir detective story. Make <laughs> make one of them a horror movie. I don't care. Do whatever Coruscant you want. Like, it's, it, it's a big it's a big universe. Like, make make a romantic comedy in Star Wars universe. I don't care. Go for it. Right. It's just the the seven, eight, and nine. I would like one of them. It doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be fan service. It shouldn't be, in fact. I don't want, like, it almost scares me a little bit that the original character's in there. Of course, I love them and want to see them again. But on the other hand, I'm like, oh, but don't ruin this because this should really be a new story with new characters. It's not really about you. And, like, we, we talked about in the past podcast about this. What are you going to do with those old characters? Just, like, there's a certain magic of Star Wars in the same way. I think Miyazaki is the best example I can think of. There's a certain magic of Miyazaki. And even though his movies are just so incredibly wildly different from each other, like, you know, robots versus creatures versus magic, you know, little kids, adults, uh, animals, it just there, there's so much variation. And yet through it all, you feel this, this similarity, you feel that there's something about it that, it, that regard, you know, even though none of the settings are the same and they're not in the same time period, and there's no characters in common whatsoever. You can feel it. And that's what I want out of this. Like, and this does have characters in common. This will have settings in common. This is part of continuity. I just don't think it should lean on those things for, for the feeling. I want right. to care. Wh- whoever is, you know, my surrogate in this movie, I want to care about as much as I care about like Luke, uh, you know, flying through the trench or, you know, uh, a, a character that I can connect with as much as Yoda or a villain as good as Darth Vader. I mean, there's tall orders. I know. Uh, obviously, you're not going to get it all. If it's just... If it's just merely as good as the Star Trek movies, we'll walk out and probably call it a win uh, and then just look forward to for further movies in this universe. But if they're going to cap- recapture anything from the original Star Wars, now is the time to do it, please. Well, the, the good news is I feel like we've probably already... God, um, we knock on every piece of wood that's nearby, but I feel like we've probably already seen the worst that we've got to offer in this franchise. So, you know, and, and again, setting a low bar, um, but, you know... You haven't seen the romantic comedy yet. <laughs> I know, but I've seen the Ewok movies, so it's pretty much the same thing. Just having like a a a, a brain trust of of people, rather than having it be this creator who can do whatever he wants, would make who me doesn't think, even like Star Wars. They would much. make me think that it's probably unlikely that we'll get something quite as disastrous as the prequels. But you never never say never. And you have, you have the Hobbit movies. Well, mm. well, and but we've got we've we've got Peter Jackson after the fact saying the Hobbit movies were a mess because they didn't give us time to to storyboard or time to actually solve problems. Yeah. And the director dropped out, and so he had to step yeah. in. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things there. But yeah, bad things could happen. Yeah, like anyway, I'm, I'm I give them plenty of room to make bad movies in the future. Just try not to blow seven, eight, nine. <laughs> <laughs> a modest proposal from John Syracuse. 
time to take a non-sponsor break. I just want to tell everybody out there, we're going to be recording our year-end wrap-up episode on December 28th. If you have particular favorites from the Incomparable or the Incomparable spinoff podcast from 2015, send them to podcast at theincomparable.com. We'd love to hear from you, and then we will celebrate everything 2015 in our first episode of 2016 because that's how we roll. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to The Incomparable this year. We really appreciate it. So what's the plan? I wanted to ask you all this. What's the plan um, right now when you're thinking about, do you, do you, when are you seeing it? Do you plan to see it again? Have you already built in other times you're going to see it? What is your, what is your, your plan for watching this movie? Ren, what's, what's your plan? All right. Well, the original plan was to see it Thursday night with friends, um, but I couldn't get into that screen, so I'm going Thursday night slightly before, so I get to see it before all of my friends, which kind of is you can is shut, horrible you can shut spoilers. But, yeah, I can shout. I can go into the next theater. As I finish, they'll probably be like 30 minutes from the end and be like, that guy dies! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, I'm I'm going um, with, uh, with Rick and I I think we're going again Friday morning. I think that's that's what I've heard is that hmm. we've bought a second round of tickets. Um, and chances are, knowing me, we'll probably go again on like Monday because I'll need the weekend to like actually digest. I see all of the any any pivotal movies, and this is a bad habit from when I was a kid, but like I'll, I'll see them three or four times. Most partially because I want to get sick of them, even with super expensive movie tickets. But part honestly, a lot of it's just enjoying the world building and enjoying the scenery and and everything that I didn't catch the first time because. I'm, you know, you're agape in the, oh my god, new stuff in this franchise. Um, And I feel like Star Wars, Star Wars is for me a a special franchise in the way that like the MCU just simply isn't. I'm not going to go see an MCU movie five times, but I will definitely see a Pixar movie two or three times. Mm. And I will see a Star Wars movie two or three times, even if it's a terrible one. John, what's your plan? So I'm seeing it on Thursday. I'm in the same show as Dan, I think, although it's reserved seating, so we'll be seated slightly I think you're, I think you're literally sitting behind me. <laughs> I'll wave from you guys from the from the 30 minutes early showing. You joke, but this is a legit fear that I have. That <laughs> by, the, my, the most dangerous time is when I'm in the theater milling Ear around, plugs, waiting to go into Ear my plugs. theater. And other people are coming out, and I don't want to see their faces. I don't does. want to hear anything. So, <laughs> hear anything they have to say. I don't want to see hand motions. I mean, I'm glad I'm seeing it on Thursday because I really I just need to see it so I can safely use the internet again. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. So Thursday, and you know, Thursday is a regular work day, so I'm just going to go to work, ignore the internet, come home, have dinner, go to the theater, watch it, and then I'll feel safe. Um, uh, and then on Friday, I'm going with my wife. Uh, taking Friday off work, and we're just going to go see it together. And then on Saturday, the whole family's going. Well, that's the full. That's the full Syracuse. Three day extravaganza. <laughs> Keep adding uh, family members. As you and go. these are all two D screenings, by the way. Oh, uh, wow. Maybe on if I really like it on Sunday, I'll try an IMAX one, or maybe the next weekend I'll try an IMAX one because I'm kind of interested to see it in in all the formats that it's going to be out. And assuming it's any good, like if by the third time I see it, like you'll know, you'll know by then. Yeah. Surely. Surely, says the man who saw Phantom Menace five times in theater. Surely you'll know by the third time if it's good or not. I, I only saw episodes two and three one time in the theater. Oh, same, so. same here. Dan, what's your plan? 
Uh, yes, I too am going on Thursday later in the evening. Um, at which with a with a bunch of people, including apparently John Syracuse is sitting behind me, which should be fun. <laughs> Just get the commentary is really what I'm looking forward to. Um, I don't have any subsequent showing plans yet, but I would not bet against seeing it again at some point that weekend. Um, and I was just discussing with some family members, possibly going over the Christmas break while I'm visiting them. So, um, yeah, so I I think that it will, it will definitely be seen a couple times. I like John, if it, if it is, ends up being good, I will probably consider an IMAX showing just because I'm curious to see how it looks on a giant screen. Uh, for me, it's, uh, it is Thursday evening with the family um we're all we're all going jamie has a uh we're going to the seven o'clock showing on thursday um jamie's got a uh a final the next the next day and it's too bad she's going to see star wars she's studied <laughs> study before study after there is no study during star wars we're going to go see <laughs> star wars and i have no plans beyond that it's great how the movies open on the day before they actually open now i don't even get this the midnight showing started at like seven the previous day it's like it's like christmas creep you know it's so eventually, weird eventually like the release date will mean nothing and the midnight showing will be three days before i've seen tuesday tuesday showings for a friday movie before in los angeles it does happen but you know what in, in some way i actually kind of like it because it means not having to be awake at midnight and then go home at three in the morning anybody remember dark Knight? uh the first the second dark Knight movie the second dark Knight movie where it was like what two and a half hours long and i didn't get home until four in the morning it was it was a dark time for the empire <laughs> i use my creaky old man voice and remember that i went to the phantom menace at a midnight showing and then went out to like i hop and dissected the entire movie until about 5 a.m went back to my friend's house slept for two hours woke up Picked up Tony Sindelar from school because he was at school still because we were seniors, I think, or, or we were in freshman in college and then went and saw it again. Uh, yeah, that was um, uh, speaking of dark times. Sleep deprivation explains a lot. <laughs> they realized midnight showings is so much fun. You could make even more money if you showed it at 10 p.m. And then they realized, well, if we're going to show it at 10 p.m., we could also show it at 7 p.m., couldn't we? Because really, but it's Thursday it night. Why not? Well, it's going to be like J.J. Abrams. You want to see a rough cut of the movie? <laughs> like, sure. Well, okay. I, I, think, I think what they've realized is there's a market for people to go out and see a, a big movie on a Thursday. And that why would you hold it for Friday? at that point why not why not extend the weekend another day and make money on thursday evening at least by you know i think hey if the customers are there then take advantage of it so i know so many people who are seeing this on thursday though it's pretty funny i think ours is 3d which i'm not thrilled about but you know whatever we're 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 going to see it and hope jamie gets a good score on her finals <laughs> jason what um what theater are you seeing it in, in i'm seeing San it Francisco? at the century Corte madera which is a single screen movie theater which they're probably going to close <laughs> in the next surprisingly year. playing star wars is there only movie for that screen yeah Shocking. well that that, that is the thing that they do is they tend to put the big the big uh you know blockbuster film on that one screen with the big with the big screen and legend has it this is the george lucas's preferred movie theater so i hope he doesn't ruin it uh, by like I don't know what. It's worse when he stands up in the middle of the movie. This is not says, how it was done in my outline. Let me tell you what my outline said it was going to be. The Adventures of Luke oh, Starkiller. So the next question is, wh- how are we going to how are we going to find time to talk about this on the podcast next weekend? Are we going to find oh, the time? Are we going to find some time? We're we're, we're going to do it. We're going to do it oh. somehow. All right. I mean, I, I I literally in the incomparable schedule it just says OMG Star Wars <laughs> on that on next weekend and. 
the the following weekend it literally says omg more star wars because i figure we'll probably have more than one episode worth between all of us and everybody else in the incomparable panelist uh calendar who is also going to see it um so i you know i do think that we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of opportunity to break it down a great time to announce our new star wars subcast (laughs) yeah Yeah. well there is a feed full of everything that the network posts about star wars so i'm sure it's a requirement i'm sure joe and dan will be doing a defocused about it since they've been covering all the star wars movies on defocused lately too but um yeah, this is yeah, we we don't need a subcast, Dan. It's all Star Wars now for the rest of December practically. <laughs> the here. incomparable has just become the incomparable Star Wars channel. It could. Did you realize that um Star Wars Awakens comes out essentially a week before Christmas Day? We are literally getting Christmas early. Actually, it kind of bugs me that it's so close to Christmas. I had hoped, uh, you know, and some of that is just podcast scheduling. It's like, God, I wish we had more, <laughs> Jeez, more weeks, JJ. More weeks Didn't to you get talk our calendar before Christmas. But instead, it's just like it's right before Christmas. It's right there. Although, you know what? If they'd done it the previous week, then it would have been on my birthday. And I can't handle a Star Wars movie potentially being bad on my birthday. It would just be awful. This is going to be interesting. We've, we've invested a lot. I mean, given that we were talking about this three years ago. In, you know, zero information terms at that point, just that Lucasfilm had bought or uh, had been bought by Disney and that there was going to be a new trilogy, uh, which blew our minds. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, it's come to this, which is there is a movie. We have plans. We have tickets bought way in advance, which is also kind of hilarious. And uh, it's a it's a, going to be a real thing. That's uh, so. I'll, I'll just I'll just harken back to one of my cousins telling me that she remembered being in school and worrying that you know after watching Empire that she would die before Return of the Jedi came out. So everybody stay safe out there this mm-hmm. week is all I'm yeah. saying. This, the same topic came up on a recent podcast I was on that I had had that same thought. Yeah, take no chances this week, people. If you're going to go skydiving, put it off just a week. Well, I hope I don't break my neck in roller derby this weekend. That would be sad. We'll, we'll wheel you into the theater. Don't worry. I mean, yeah, the, the the roller derby tournament is called State Wars, and it's Star Wars themed. So, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be okay. Maybe the Star Wars gods will be looking over. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm probably doing too many dangerous things this week. Oh, well, it'll be okay. It'll, it'll yeah, yeah. It'll I'm, be okay. I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be fine. I've got BBA to protect me. We it's put, fine. Yeah, we put a lot of we put a lot of effort into this movie, so we need to see it now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've decided not to go. Well, I should I should say, speaking of pre anticipation, um, if you end up at Disneyland or Disney World before you see the movie, do not go on Star Tours. This is this is something I discovered, um, and it doesn't spoil a whole lot, but it definitely is like, oh, this is a new thing. This is a new and interesting thing that probably I shouldn't be seeing right now. Oh well. Um, so yeah, John, I, I don't think you have any plans to go to Star to to Disneyland before seeing The Force Awakens. But you know, just in case you were thinking of like a quick trip down to Florida or to California, just don't do it. Probably a bad yeah. Probably I, I just bad missed idea. it apparently. And by the way, the only reason I went on Star Tours was because you raved about it so much, and so I figured I'm going to try to brave the motion sickness. But I <laughs> I ended up closing my eyes for a lot of it. Oh yeah. no. Yeah, it's just it's, it's a rough ride for me. But I did That's it once, and I will probably never do it again. I'm am looking forward to eventually going back to Disney after they do the whole crazy Star, Star Wars land, whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so that's that's yeah. that's a great thing. They, they're already, I think they're already constructing. They're tearing down the 
the, they were the, tearing the animal everything thing down. at Disneyland. Yeah, they um they took down a bunch at Disneyland. They've rethemed Space Mountain to Hyperspace Mountain in Disneyland proper. And Disney World, they've they've basically cordoned off a whole section of Hollywood Studios. They actually we were one day off from seeing the Star Wars launch bay experience. Uh we just timed our tickets improperly. But on the day that I was leaving, um somebody on Twitter actually messaged me and was like, you know, I would say that you guys just missed this being here, but I'm just in line and I've already seen three major spoilers. So perhaps it was good that you, you know, narrowly missed it. I'm like, okay, yeah. Um, th- th- thank you, anonymous Twitter person, for, for applauding our, our good decisions. Yeah, but I, the idea of a whole Star Wars-themed part of Disneyland, that's a good idea. I think that's people, people get such a good – people get such a kick out of, like, the Stormtroopers – in uh, near near the Star Tours section of of Disneyland, that that will be, you know, that'll be a lot of fun. It'll be good. The thing that it makes me really excited about that is like a few years ago, I guess few, more than a few years ago. When did Wally come out? Two thousand seven, eight, something like that. Um, they had a Wally rolling around in two thousand eight at Disneyland. Hmm. And I'm like, they the Wally was in like a small area and didn't really go very far. But I'm like, you have a Wally. You have a tiny proof of concept BB-8. I've seen the real life version proof of concept BB-8. The concept of droids autonomously rolling around Disney World and Disneyland is not out of the question, and that thrills me, especially given mm-hmm. Disney's history with really, really good. Um, thematic design. Like, one of the reasons why I want to go to someplace like uh, Harry Potter land is the thematics. Like, I don't even care about the rides. I just care about, oh, I'm going to walk into a section of a park, and all of a sudden it feels like I'm in I'm in a Harry Potter story, or all of a sudden it feels like I'm on a rebel base, or, you know, I'm in the jungle, um, ready to join a Jedi temple. Like, all of these, the, the potential of that is so exciting to me. So exciting. See, there's always more to anticipate, isn't there? Always. <laughs> <laughs> always more spoilers to avoid. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so many spoilers. There are always new spoilers being always in motion, the spoilers are. There you go. <laughs> See, I can occasionally reference. <laughs> Good job. Every now and then I do it. All right. Well, uh, everybody get your, you know, get get ready. Get your uh, get your Star Wars shoes on. I don't know what those would be. Put on your on your Jedi hat. I'll go buy those $300 boots that Ray is wearing in the trailer. All right. Well, everybody out there, I hope you too stay safe in this week of anticipation. Don't do anything foolish because you we need you to be there at the uh, at the Star Wars uh, premieres too. And then we will uh, we'll be back here at some point next weekend with uh, some cast of characters, hopefully this one, uh, and uh, we'll break down at least our initial impressions about it. I feel like, you know, we'll we'll, yeah, we'll have some impressions about it, and that and and that that'll be exciting. And then we'll have another week maybe to to put thoughts together and assemble uh, some other panels and talk about it too. So uh, much more Star Wars to come in, for the rest of the the month. Um, but uh, until then, I would like to thank my Star Wars pals who've been on this Episode 7 journey with me for the last three-plus years now. Good Lord. Dan Morin, thank you. I guess the Force is still with us, at least for now. John Syracuse, thanks very much. No spoilers, Jason. No spoilers. And Serenity Caldwell, thank you. Thank you, and may the Force be with you all. Beep, beep, boop, boop. That's droid for uh, something. I don't even know. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. That's what it's for. Beep, beep, boop, boop. And we'll see you next week.